Keeping it real with Phil Gordon. Welcome to Conversations. I'm your host, Charles Kirkland Jr., and it's my favorite time of the month where I get to talk with someone who's doing wonderful things in our city as a as a filmmaker who, you know, just stands above the crowd. And today, our filmmaker of the month for the month of February is a woman who's been an independent filmmaker and producer and educator and has a role as a senior media producer for a DC nonprofit called One Common Unity. She finds her work media centered around peace education, arts empowerment, and mental health access for DC youth. And as an independent media creative, she enjoys producing unique and inspiring documentaries and promotional videos for nonprofits, highlighting the important work they do for our communities. She's done a film recently called The Melody Lingers On. She's a singer, songwriter, self-taught musician. She's a jack of all trades, and I'm just happy to have her with me this morning. Welcome to the show, Kimberly Williams. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and I'm happy to have you here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So the first question I got, I got to everybody who comes on the show is, what does it mean to you to be named the Filmmaker of the Month for the month of February 2022? Well, uh, I mean, it means a lot, first of all, because I, you know, have been working just like behind the scenes for a long time. And so my work with One Common Unity has definitely like, you know, helped me put out a lot of stuff that I'm really happy about, but to get it recognized and to be able to talk about the work that we do in DC is really awesome. So it means a lot. (laughs) Well, you're not originally from this area. You're from the West Coast. What what brought you out to Washington, DC, the area? Well, it's a long story and it's complicated, but mainly um, I helped my mother move from Denver in 1999 to uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. I was in Reno, Nevada at the time, and uh, I had grown, I'd grown up mostly on the West Coast, Washington, California, Nevada. And so uh, it was time to make a change. And I remember thinking, there's something I'm supposed to do. And so it wasn't just moving my mom, but I was needing to start over myself. So I helped, you know, I packed my life up after eight years in Reno and I picked up my mom in Denver and her two young kids and we drove up across the country um, and landed in Virginia Beach. And then I wasn't settled in Virginia Beach. I knew it was just a temporary stop while my mom got settled. And um, that's when I ended up going to China. And when I was in China, I was like, I need to go back to school and do something with my creativity. Uh, I was a public educator for six years. And so I just needed to do something different. And when I was in China, I was looking at graduate schools and the closest that was going to encompass the things that I wanted to do was Washington, D.C. to Virginia Beach, because that's where my mom was and my dog and my cat. And so I needed to be close to all of them. So Washington, D.C. it was. I chose American University because of the program, and um, that's how I ended up in D.C. And I've been in D.C. since 2004, so um, a while. (laughs) Well, we're happy to have you. So tell me... um, you work for this uh, nonprofit, One Common Unity, and you and you put down this interesting. I, I really was inspired by this video uh, 
that you did, The Melody Lingers On. Thank Can you, you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, super excited about this film. It was shot in 2015, which was the first year that I came on with One Common Unity, um, and it was uh, going to one of the retreats. I started my new career as a filmmaker at the same time that I started a family. And so I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> don't start over your career while you're having a new family. It's kind of hard, but, um, it, you know, we worked it out, but anyway, so I was looking kind of maybe going back to my teaching roots. Um, and so when I saw one common unity's film fly by light, I was moved. I, it was the total intersection between working with youth creativity, being out in nature and doing inner work. Right. So mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, sign me up for that. So I managed to find a way in and, um, I was invited to the 2015 retreat and it was the largest retreat that we'd had at, and have ever, ever had. I think there was 80 plus people at this retreat wow. and it was at Catoctin national park and it was amazing. And at that retreat, I was just a how a dorm room mom. I wasn't a filmmaker. I, I, I came to, you know, help move the program for the week along and was in charge with another young woman named Anjali, who um, she and I were great dorm room moms together. And we loved the young ladies that we worked with. And so while I was there, Marcus Morgan, AKA pop culture, who is a DC native hip hop artist, um, had been invited by the, uh, you know, executive director at the time, Hawa Kasat, to come back and be a part of the program after having gone through it in the early 2000s when it was called Rebel Youth Shine. And so after 14 years, Marcus came back as a artist facilitator to the retreat, working with the young, you know, young people, uh, showing them what it was like to suffer trauma and loss but still making it through by using music and the arts. And um, it was really inspiring. So somebody or Hawa had asked Kristen Adair, who was just starting out as filmmaking uh, herself to come and document that experience. And so that's what happened. While I was there for a whole week, I watched somebody else film this young man, Marcus, and his story and journey. And it was incredible. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I need to tell the, I need to help tell this story somehow. And it turned out Marcus had made this song called Unity and he had donated it to One Community because it was the story of how it had helped him, you know. And so I actually petitioned myself to be the director for his music video and we did that in 2017. So when we after 2 years of like working on the music video and doing all of that, I was like Okay, we have all this footage from the retreat and somebody needs to tell this story. And so I'm like, it should be me. And so they said, okay. So that's what happened. I ended up starting editing it in December of 2017. And then we premiered it in October of 2021. So it's been a long journey, but it's a powerful film and it needs to be told. The story needs to be told because um, it just shows what gets possible when you work through trauma and, um, and using creativity to do that. I uh, interviewed the uh, producers and the director of Billie Eilish's film, The World's a Little Blurry. Oh, wow. And uh, they, they, they kind of have the same kind of origin. They, they never knew who Billie Eilish was, as, that she was going to be what she was right? becoming. But they just was, were documenting, yeah. you know, from, from her beginnings. Do you have it? I mean, 
is it possible that pop culture could be your your Billy Eilish and somewhere down the line you're you're producing a feature length documentary about <laughs> where he is? Uh, do you think see maybe that could happen for you? <laughs> well, that's interesting. Oh, that would be amazing. You know, pop culture is he ha- he travels all around the world, and he's he's a prolific writer. He's an incredible performer. Uh, he was down in Atlanta for a while, and so now he's back in D.C. And we're actually uh, looking at working with him again as a facilitator or as a mentor for writing music with youth and performance. So it's the story's not done. So you're spot on for for surmising that. But you know he's. He has kids now and he's a father. And so I'm actually encouraging him to look at, you know, making music to help young, young kids start shaping their thoughts uh, around positivity and hope and and working through the things that we work through um, as we're young, you know. And so uh, he likes the idea. So I, every now and then I send Marcus like little snippets of stuff and I'm like, you know, here's an example. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, that's going to go somewhere. So it's not the story's not over for sure. Like I'm hoping to work with him with some music coming up. <laughs> Well, being a, a former musician, or I don't know if you're former or still current musician, I'm sure that you're there's a kindred uh, spirit between the Absolutely. two of you as musicians. Yes, that's what I thought I was going to do. Um, I picked up a guitar when I was around 24, and I taught myself how to play. And I, I mean, I'm a singer, so I grew up singing. I grew up harmonizing with my mom. I grew up writing songs, performing choir, all of that. I played piano. I taught myself how to play piano. And so I was just always dabbling and, and working on, on my music. But when I was in Reno, I you know, was working at an amazing uh, bar, I guess, but it's called the Blue Lamp and it's closed now. But anyway, it was where all the young musicians were coming to play. And, um, you know, I'm working behind the scenes doing my thing, but they're in the room. And I was just so inspired by all these young artists who were all, it ran the gamut, you know, folk, punk, rock, you know, rockabilly. So it was really, really fun. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm forget teaching. I'm just going to take a guitar and get on the road. I planned out my whole like tour map. I was, I started writing songs. I was going to do it all, but fear got in my way. <laughs> and, you know, I had something else to do, but anyway, so yes, and I, I know I, I, I sang in bands when I moved to Virginia beach, I wasn't done with my music. I got in another band in Virginia beach. We played all around the area, but I had to say goodbye to that when I went to China. So I still write songs. I still sing. And actually what's covered up under here are crystal bowls, which are used for uh, healing, you know, um, deep tone and frequency aligned with um, the frequencies that are we find in our bodies and um, helps to tune our chakras and our minds. So I'm using music and I'm, I'm exploring music for healing. And that's kind of where I'm going now with my own my own music. For those of you who watch the show regularly, they know that there's usually a bass that stands right <laughs> next to you. Awesome. Uh, my, my, the bass is out for repairs, so it's it's missing from my set as <laughs> I usually have here. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I have a rich heritage with music as nice. well from, nice. from years and years playing in bands and stuff. So. Uh, music is important, and I think it's it sort of one thing that commu- that communicates to each and every one of us, yeah. no matter where we are. Absolutely. 
Yes. And that's kind of like, you know, that's the power and the magic of one community too. And the work that we're doing, we have amazing facilitators who are also artists. You know, our managing director is an, is a performing artist who records and puts his stuff out there. We have princess hip hop mama, princess best, who is um, the, also the heel assist. And she, uh, she has a book called my bars heal scars and she uses her words to heal and help young women and men deal with whatever they're going through by putting it down on paper and learning how to, you know, spit out rhymes. So it's really, really transformative and powerful to watch, especially watching them in action. Amazing. 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 So I I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about what you have on the burner now, because that was 2017, 20. all before pandemic now you're doing this (laughs) this new project here during in the midst of a pro of a pandemic tell us a little bit about horse diamonds well okay so horse diamonds is a documentary film that i'm working on as an independent producer that i'm telling the story of how hungarian horses came to america post-world war ii and why there's a small group of horse enthusiasts from the Hungarian Horse Association of America to try to keep a particular lineage from the Hungarian bloodline alive that is here or still in the United States, but it's waning. And so, um, you know, just that story alone is interesting, but once you start like uncovering the history of the horses and how they came here and who brought them here and who kept them alive and how they moved around the country and we, all that is really, really interesting. And um, and then, of course, there's we'll throw World War II into there as well. And I used to love studying World War II and, and World War One, So it's, it's there's the historical aspect to it that I find fascinating. I grew up riding horses and that's, you know, music and horses are my first loves. I don't know which one came first, probably music because <laughs> my mom was probably singing while I was in the womb. So that was, you know, that was a given, but I grew up on a farm and we all had horse, always had horses. And my dad would put me on horses before I could walk. And I just have this natural inclination towards them. And so up until I was 17, um, I would go to my cousin's horse farm and ride Hungarian horses. And um, she's a Hungarian horse breeder. And so the affinity for them came through her. Valerie Siebertson is her name. And and she's a dear cousin of mine. She's actually my dad's cousin. So um, she's my first cousin once removed, or I'm her first cousin once removed because my dad is her first cousin. But she's like my third mom or my fourth mom, you know? So um, I learned a lot from her, but I had to kind of say goodbye to it when I left to go to college. And now 30 years later, I'm coming back to horses. And what happened is the Hungarian Horse Association and Valerie, who's on the Hungarian Horse Association board, invited me to come to Hungary in 2019 to film their journey to go and look for Hungarian stud uh, that are uh, in the line of the lineage that they want to, you know, ship back to come and reinvigorate the bloodlines that are here in the United States. It's not an easy thing to do and it's expensive and mm-hmm. it's a niche market. It's not like there's, it's not like the thoroughbred racing or the Arabians or the quarter horses of America, but there is um, a love and affinity for the Hungarian horse because they're such a great horse They're yeah. and they're beautiful. So I'm just like, I've 
I've been filming since 2019. I've been traveling around last summer. I took my family, my husband and my two kids. We got in the car and we drove 12,000 miles, 12,000 miles around the country, hitting some different Hungarian horse farms that are, you know, part of the story. And um, I have a lot of footage to sort through. <laughs> I have a lot and I, I need to do it, need to do it fast because none of it's up. And I keep telling everybody it's coming soon, but my work with One Common Unity is so important and I'm a mom and it's pandemic and all of that. So it's, it's, it's really frustrating actually, because I'm like, I want to do the thing that I want to be doing, but that's like a labor of love until I can raise the money to get it done. So, wow, a lot of questions. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you, because one of the questions I was going to say, how did you get into horses? But I'm, I'm glad you explained all of that. But I, the other question I have is, how did the pandemic affect your shooting schedule? I mean, I love a good road trip like anybody else does to get around <laughs> and see the whole country. But yeah. how did the pandemic play into all of this for you? Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I... We suffered, you know, just like every other family in this, you know, city and country, maybe in the world, you know, young kids. I have 11 year old and an eight year old. And when the pandemic hit, it was meltdown city from Mar March 13th, 2020, which was Friday the 13th, by the way. I'd like to yeah. point that out to everybody. It was a crazy day when the, when the world changed. And, you know, we did the best we could. And so we did pretty good. But after that, I was like, I'm homeschooling my kids. I couldn't look at another year of stress like that between the two of them and working from home, you know, like um, myself. So it was a huge leap of faith and it was really scary to make that decision, but I did it. But I had the confidence that I could do it because I'm a prep, you know, an educator, right? I grew like my first degree and everything was in secondary education, but I taught K through 12. So I'm like, I can do it. I can teach, I can teach my kids. <laughs> it went, it went okay. But you know, again, I was kind of like, here, do this, here, do this, here, do this. And it was a little bit crazy. And we loved our school. Like, oh my gosh, it was heartbreaking to say goodbye. Like it was horrible. Like my, my girls were, I don't know, inspired teaching in demonstration school is the school that they went to. And, and Elijah had been there since she was three years old. And, and so it was really hard. So we homeschooled from 20, fall of 2020 to spring of 2021. And so that made it possible for me to put the kids in the car May 7th of 2021. And we drove for three months and they homeschooled in the car across the country until June, the end of June. And we got back August 10th and I thought, oh, I have all this time to do all this stuff now, you know, and actually my eight-year-old asked to go back to school. And so we decided to try a different school for a few different reasons. And it was a really hard decision, but it worked out. And my 11-year-old still wanted to be homeschooled. And so she's in the room next to me and she's still homeschooled, but we found a great program and she loves it and she gets feedback and it's not me trying to pretend like I can teach and work at the same time, which is impossible. And kudos to all the teachers out there who are doing the best that they can because it's incredible. So the pandemic definitely uh, rolled through our house in an incredible way. Um, we actually got COVID in December of 2020. I got COVID. Mm. I gave it to my husband and my kids. Um, it was before 
for vaccines or any testing. And um, it was intense and crazy, but we made it, thank God. And I feel for all the families and people who can't say that. And there are so many. So, um, you know, we count our blessings all the time for that reason. But uh, it's been a year. It's been two years. You can't even say it's been a year. It's been two crazy years and it's not over. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I, I thank you for all the work you're doing. And and again, the melody lingers on is one still lingers on. Yeah, the, the melody still. The melody lingers on. Lingers on. <laughs> the melody yeah. lingers on still. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, that's the sequel. That's the sequel. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, oh, it's excellent work. I can't wait to see Horse Diamonds because I, 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 I like horses too. I like horses too. Oh, uh, do you ride? <laughs> no. Are you? No, <laughs> I, I, like them, uh, I I feed them, but I've never ridden a horse. So, oh, oh, okay. I have a mission. <laughs> <laughs> My husband neither, and this is so funny because I, you know, you mentioned music. Are you a Washingtonian? Are you from? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, are you familiar? Do you, do you ever remember Cafe Nima down on U Street? Did you ever visit that jazz bar? No. 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 Well, he used to run Cafe Nima. It's no longer open, but it has it still has a following. Anyway, it was a great jazz bar where Howard University jazz students would come and play, and um, so I, that's how I met him. But anyway, we love jazz and things like that. But he'd never been on a horse. So last summer on our trip, we went horseback riding on the beach where I'm from in Washington State, and I got him on a horse for the first time, and he loved it. So. If I can get him on a horse and he's 63 i will work on you too <laughs> okay uh, I'll, I'll accept the challenge <laughs> well I, i'll again. keep you in the emails i'll keep you on the emails so you can keep up to date with the horse diamonds uh, excellent excellent thank you for coming and thank uh you. thank you for the wonderful work and and thank you. give you one last chance to give a shout out for anything that you're doing or anything that's coming up if you want to say hello to all your one common unity family. <laughs> yeah, I know we don't ever get to see each other anymore. It's so sad. You know, uh, we, we are a growing organization and I do want to say one thing. We are um, at the intersection of what we do, which is arts empowerment and uh, working with youth and social emotional learning, and then also mental health access for, for youth and their families. And we're embedded in schools in the city. We're not in all the schools, but um we are working with the D.C. Uh, government and the city to ramp up, you know, um, ability to provide mental health services for youth. So if anybody is looking for more information around that, they should go to our website at onecommonunity.org and find out more about how um, young people can get access to mental health services. And also the other things that we do, like retreats and um, arts performance and things like that. So One Community. Thank you again. And thank you for the wonderful work. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> All right. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>